Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Time to look uh, uh, beyond our borders. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring us some stories from uh, around the world. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you getting on? Uh, right, uh, fr- uh, France we're going to go to uh, first and uh, a court order to remove a statue of the Virgin Mary. Yes, uh, this is in Ile de Ré, which is, uh, I think it's an island, judging by the name, off the mm-hmm. uh, west coast of France in the Atlantic Ocean there. I think it's uh, very popular with Parisians and quite an expensive place to go to. I know that because we were looking at to go there this year, but <laughs> it's, just way too ex- it's just way too expensive. <laughs> so anyway, I won't be getting to the scene of this particular story, unfortunately. So this, place, this happened in a place called La Flotte, uh, a municipality of about 3,000 people, right, on this particular island. And uh, the story goes back a good few years, right back to the, uh, World War Two, in fact, right, when a uh, family ordered uh, the creation of a statue, right, they commissioned a statue of the Virgin Mary for their own private residence. So the, it was put in their garden and it was because a son and a father had returned home safely from the Second World War. And of course, the Virgin Mary was responsible for that. So they commissioned this statue, put it in the, in the garden, and then in 1983 they decided to donate it to the municipality and the municipality said merci and they put it at a crossroads where everybody could see it, right? Okay. Now, in 2020, a car uh, damaged it, right? It was damaged by a passing car and it had to be repaired and when they put it back, they put it up on a plinth and everybody could see it. It was more exposed. So this came to the attention of an organisation called La Libre Pensée 17, okay, which I imagine means the free thinkers or something like that. Okay. And what they do is they go around and they find uh, people who have broken the French uh, secularity, as, as they call it. Right, right? Yeah. Okay, so this whole idea that, you know, no religion and no philosophy, including secularism, okay, uh, should be part and parcel or should be above uh, any other in the French state, right? So they made this complaint uh, about the statue being a religious symbol that being on display and they said that because of a French law that dates back to 1905, it shouldn't be there and they want it removed. And sure enough, the court in Poitiers, where they went to first, has found in their favour. Uh, the town itself or the municipality went back and they appealed up to a higher court in Bordeaux but unfortunately uh, the uh, ruling was upheld and they will have to get rid of the statue within the next six months. Right, okay. And I assume within La Flotte, in within that little village, that most people looked benignly upon this, this, this statue. Well, I think they did. I, I actually tweeted uh, out there at De Burke Butler and there's a photo of it there. It's not particularly garish or anything like that. It's quite small. It's uh, it, it, you know, you can see it, but mm. I mean, it's not standing out trying to convert people necessarily, <laughs> or you know, put the fear of God into them. And judging by what the local mayor has said, um, I think if he's speaking on behalf of most of the population, most of them find it kind of ridiculous. Uh, they're saying that it was more part of the town's historical heritage. Uh, and that it was more of a memorial, given that it was made for these two people who returned from the war, yeah, uh, yeah. than a religious statue. But uh, the courts haven't agreed with them, so they've ordered to, to take it down. Right, OK. I hadn't actually even thought about that. Or, or do you see many religious stat- uh, statues around France? Maybe you don't. Uh, if there are, these people are prowling around looking for them to have them taken down. Indeed. Uh, right, Syria, we're going to go to uh, next. Uh, somewhat more serious story. Uh, a building collapse has killed 13 people. 
Yeah, this actually happened last uh, Sunday week. Uh, so this was in the city of Aleppo, which is the second largest city in Syria, as you know. And most people will know it because it was the city that was subject of very heavy bombardment from Russian and Syria's, mm. uh, Syrian uh, air force. OK, and um, it was taken over by rebel forces. I think they were gotten rid of about six years ago now at this stage. Um, but the city hasn't been repaired and it's still in a state of chaos. So buildings and lives in this very large city are still um, suffering from the consequences of this conflict. And uh, last Sunday week, a building collapsed, a five storey building. It was due to water leakages that had weakened its foundations. And 16 people have died uh, as a result of this. Many more have been injured. Not the first time this has happened in Aleppo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been many more uh, incidents like this. And of course, it's because... They have no money. So yeah, so the bi- rebuilding work or shoring up work to make these buildings safe hasn't really taken place No, at all. it hasn't. And you see, because this was a, a city that was synonymous with rebels, right? Mm, there are people yeah. within the opposition, what, what exists of it in Syria, um, that suggests, you know, Bashar al-Assad is ignoring these places that are formal rebel strongholds, sort of saying, well, you were on the side of the people who were against me, so we're not going to give you any money. Now, Assad himself is saying we're not getting anything because of sanctions from the EU and the USA. And of course, they're not Ah. going to give anything because... They want Assad gone. Yeah. Um, so it's a catch-22. Right. Uh, Kenya, we're going to go to next. This is an odd one. Uh, a diplomat convicted of murder. Yeah, this is a man by the name of Dwight Sagare. Uh, it goes back to July of 2012, right? So uh, originally, um, the ambassador to Kenya from Venezuela had been sent home, right? Uh, he was sent home. This is a man who was sent home because there was accusations of sexual harassment made against him by three male staff, right? He was replaced by a woman called Olga Fonseca, okay, who was murdered only two weeks into her job. Now, in the interim... Jesus, okay, what's going on yeah, in that embassy? No, it was, it was terrible, quite shocking. Two, in the interim, this diplomat, okay, Dwight Sagare, had taken over the embassy effectively. He was he, first secretary. Yeah, he yeah. was first secretary and yeah. he thought he was going to get the job. But Olga Fonseca turned up and she began sort of stirring things up a little. So she asked those three people, well, nearly ordered that those three people who had made the accusation against the former ambassador to drop the charges. They didn't want to do that, obviously. There was other stories that apparently there might have been some sort of drug dealing going on through the embassy as well that uh, <laughs> people weren't particularly happy about and maybe Sagare was one of those people. Either way... He wasn't happy with her presence and he organised her murder, right? This is basically uh, five other people, five Kenyans were involved in putting together and plotting um, her murder. They went in in the middle of the night into her residence and they strangled her. Now, they set it up to make it look as if it was a suicide. Mm. Uh, But obviously the coroner's report found that it wasn't. A couple of weeks later, Sagare was um, arrested and uh, charged, put on trial uh, and has now been convicted uh, yeah. 10 years on. Uh, no diplomatic immunity? It was waived. Uh, good question. It was waived. It, the, the, it's an interesting one because when the original uh, ambassador who was sent home for the sexual harassment, um, the Kenyan authorities asked Venezuela apparently because they wanted to investigate him to waive mm. the authority, diplomatic immunity there and they said no. He got on a plane and was sent straight back to Venezuela. In this case, they said, OK, well, look, it's as clear as day that something has happened here. So we're going to waive the immunity and right. this guy's going to hang. Yeah. 
He's going to hang. No, sorry. I mean that metaphorically. Yeah, right. <laughs> sorry, okay. I meant that metaphorically. <laughs> My apologies. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's going to hang. He's going to be sentenced in mid-February, so, uh, but he's going to get a long time in jail. I right. Uh, in, in the meantime, is there a new ambassador in place? Or that a... I don't know. I'm sure there is, <laughs> the although you never know with Venezuela, Venezuela, to be honest It's not a job people would be queuing up for, really, <laughs> uh, given all that, that that's happened there. Uh, right. An even stranger story uh, about... Police in Haiti, well, were they initially protesting? I think they were. I mean, this is all part and parcel of everything that's been going on in Haiti for the last number of years. Gangs, Mm. to cut a long story short, gangs have taken over the place. They rule about 60% of the capital. They've apparently taken over fuel depots and are charging people and controlling petrol and all sorts of different things. These police... Uh, originally protested because 14 of their colleagues have been killed since the start of the year, Mm -hmm. right? They went out onto the streets with other protesters, it should be said, and they were looking for, uh, they were looking for heads to roll effectively. So the new prime minister there is a guy called Ariel Henry. They went to his residence, knocked down the gates, went in, tried to get rid of him. When they discovered that he wasn't there, They went to the airport because they discovered that he was on his way back from a seminar in Argentina and they wanted to be there to meet him at the airport, not Mm. with flowers, as you can imagine. Um, He managed to get wind of this and he escaped. Uh, They went on the rampage and uh, and, uh, they are seemingly very upset. But it just shows you how bad the situation is if the people that are supposed to be protecting you are out rioting and protesting. Right. So when they were rioting... There was, I assume, no police to call to come and stop them rioting. I think you're in a situation where it's completely lawless at the moment in Haiti. I mean, these these are people who last October, the government called out for national or international help, as in send us police, please, because yes. we can't control the situation at all. Yeah. Now, so far, the USA and Canada have sent money and that's about the extent of it. Uh, but nobody's sending extra bodies and they're leaving them to their own devices to sort it out. Yeah, and kidnapping's still a massive problem there. Every six hours, apparently, somebody is kidnapped in Haiti at the moment. Yeah. Good God. Desperate stuff. Right, uh, we'll go uh, not too far, actually, uh, over to uh, over to the US. And uh, we were just, before we came on air, myself and Jonathan were talking about this in the sense that you hear these stories, but you actually don't hear them anymore. There was become as uh, as normal as the weather report at the end of a uh, of a bulletin. Uh, this is uh, to do with, with gun deaths and mass shootings. Yeah, already in January. What are the statistics there? Forty, right? So there's f- forty mass shootings already this uh, year, right? So that's according to a non-profit organisation called Gun Violence Archive. We've referred to them before mm. because they have parameters obviously and they classify a mass shooting as the killing or injury of four or more people that doesn't include the gunman so that's yeah. how they how they uh, how they do that and they've said that there's been 40 so far now that's a record so that's up on 34 from last year and just to give you uh, an idea between 2014 and 2022 there was an average of 25 mass shootings in January if you look at the numbers Right for the last number of years, in 2014 there was 273 mass shootings, which in itself is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but when you consider that in 2021 there was 690, and then a year later 647, it just doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah, and the gun violence in general has gone up, not just in the context of of mass shootings. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember actually 
giving you this figure in 2019 of 33,600, right? Mm. And we looked at each other, oh my God. But that's gone up to 44,000 now, an increase of 31%. 44,000 people are dead uh, because of guns. Yeah, and does that include, well, I suppose murders? Does it include suicide? So it does include suicide. So actually suicide is is at the top, uh, for want of a better way of putting Mm. it, then homicide and mass shootings are actually... They only make up a small percentage. It's around five or six percent uh, of the of the total, as far mm, as I know. Yeah. But of course, they're the ones that get the most press uh, yeah. for obvious reasons. Yeah, and, and obviously, apart from the availability of guns, does anyone uh, have any theories as to why there is this massive increase? Well, I think the report that was issued by Gun Violence Archive have, has basically said that you know it is down to more guns being available. But it is down to increased tension, right? They actually, an interesting one that they found was that the FBI conducted more firearm background checks during the lockdown in March of 2020, the unrest after George Floyd and the US Capitol riots. So basically the fear of those events Mm -hmm. is compelling people to go out and buy more guns. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, I suppose the idea of someone will take your guns from you makes you go out and buy more guns as well. Uh, it's kind yeah. of a, a vicious circle, really. Right, uh, on that depressing note, uh, <laughs> what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, well, something positive. The Venice Carnival is uh, is starting on the 4th of February and that'll go on for uh, two weeks, if not three. And um, I think that's the first one since the uh, pandemic. Mm. Uh, so that'll be good. Uh, general elections in Monaco. So there'll be gold-plated Pian Louis uh, taken out of that, no doubt. And then the International Day of Zero Tolerance Against Female Genital Mutilation is February the 6th. Uh, always one that I'd like to bring up, to be honest. Yeah. With you, so. Jonathan, thanks a million thanks, uh, for coming in to us. Uh, Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.